Okay. What's up, guys? <laughs> it is Monday, and we are on the Rick Ginn channel. And I know you're probably, maybe some of you are watching is just because you see the title. And my purpose is not to trick you on it. Unfortunately, I wish that title was not true, but I have been threatened and sued multiple times because I don't own these lists or you can't share these lists because they are in my course. So as you guys know how I work, I don't care. I've been doing this business over 20 years. Nobody owns anything. We've all been taught from somebody else. And the first time a person complains about being copied or anything like that, you can tell they haven't been in the business for a very long time. So all learning of all sorts, including wholesaling, is passed down generation to generation. And we've gotten this cute tick for tack thing going. Um, you can't use this. You can't use this. <laughs> you can't use this list because I've trademarked the name. So the. Hold on. Hey. So the uh, the latest trend is um, they can't really sue you for using the list. So what they do is they trademark the name. So a lot of gurus go and trademark like certain key phrases. I'm not going to get into them. Honestly, I don't care. You want to spend the money and do all that. That's fine. But when people do that, they try to own the material so nobody else can use the information. And to be honest with you, it's a huge disservice to our entire industry. So today we are going to go through all the, <laughs> the lists that gurus have threatened for me for giving it away. Why? Because number one, a lot of them, they've trademarked the name, which I could care less. That doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean that the content's protected. So don't ever worry about someone does something like that. And number two, it tends to hurt their core sales because I give you guys the stuff for free. So um, that's a little bit on our topic and how it works out. Hold on one second here. Sorry, I had a visitor at the door. So it's um, so what I want you to do is on the right-hand side of your screen, you're going to have the comment section. Introduce yourself. Let us know where you're at and anything I can help you out with. If you have any questions, we kind of open it up on uh, my live here. So that's the fun part is if you have any questions about wholesaling, about myself, if you're just starting out, you've never done a deal before, I'm, you're fine asking the question. There is no dumb question, only the questions you don't ask. So knowing that, knowing that is you've got to understand that I'm here to help you guys out. So use the comment section if you just want to ask a quick question or do something like that. And then obviously I see you guys joining on the live. You can do a one-on-one. -on -one. It is 100% free. There's no charge for it. And once again, the same rules apply. And here's the really cool part is you don't have to do video. So not all of us like having our mugs shared on the internet. Some do it more than others. And I, I'm perfectly fine with that. So however you want to do it, we will do it. So I'll probably take the first 20, 30 minutes, go over these lists, go into a little bit detail for you and how you can use these lists to help find and navigate your deals through wholesaling. And then we'll jump in and do your comments and questions. And then we'll also um, do the one-on-one. -on -one. So those of you guys that are waiting one-on-one, -on -one, if you want to sit back and relax, um, you know, whatever you want to do, if you even want to 
cover your faces while you're waiting. I, I don't care. You guys see my mugshot the whole time. I'm not going to hurt you. So when I come to you on the one-on-one, just make sure you're around and uh, I'll try to give you a heads up when I'm switching over. So you can kind of do both while you do this. So um, I appreciate you guys. I'm looking at, I see Steve, Olga, um, Olivia as usual. I see Tim. Um, so I am seeing your questions. So put them in there and I will help you out with this stuff. So let's talk about it. So once again, if you guys are brand new to my channel, uh, you are in the right place. We talk about everything wholesaling. So most of you guys go to Flip with Rick, and that is a channel I created years ago that me and my son work together and collaborate on, and we teach everything out of our seven-figure wholesaling business that we still run to this date. And you guys really enjoy that because we share our deals, we share our successes, and actually um, we kind of make fun of the father-son team, which is a lot of fun. So I run a family business. I enjoy what I'm doing. I run a small team. We make very large profits, seven figures, um, seven-figure operation we do. And I've been doing this going on 21 years. And so I share it with you. Here's the difference between me and every other person you see on the internet and my son, Zach. So we teach wholesaling 100% for free. Why? Because the information is so bad out there. There's so many fake gurus that the information is just overwhelming at this point. And to be honest with you, I believe wholesaling is a very basic skill set. I'm here to simplify the process so you don't have to spend five or $10,000. Anyone who tells you they have the secret to wholesaling and if you pay them, they'll release it to you. Just come on over to my channel because I'll just give you 10 times the information they're going to give and you can check it out for yourself because here's the one equation everybody has to understand. It's you that has to do the work. It's you that has to take the massive amount of action and don't let a guru take success, take claim to your success. I'll show you how to do the success and I'll give you all the credit while you do it. And that's the difference between me and a guru. I just don't believe in charging for this stuff because it's ridiculous because number one, I make a ton of money flipping homes. And coaching, to me, wholesaling is like learning your ABCDs. I want to teach you how to do this, and it's really easy. I think wholesaling is so simple, I can't believe anybody actually even charges for it. So yes, you all need to figure out to get your mindset right. You need to get out of that, that nine-to-five hamster wheel, and I can help you do all that stuff. But I'm telling you, when it comes to wholesaling, it is so simple. You guys are the ones that make it challenging. Gurus make it very complicated. I'm here to demystify all that. So let's talk about the list that none of the gurus want me to share with you. And they're constantly going to threaten me if I throw it up there. So I have to change the names around on some of these for legal precedents because I get tired of paying attorney's fees to protect myself from what I thought was free speech. But apparently, if you use a set amount of words, gurus send you a cease and desist letter. And they do it among common words that's been around a hundred years. And somehow they get a trademark on it, which drives me nuts. But so if you notice, I use full words like, I don't know, subject to, because that's been around a hundred years. And apparently someone has conjugated that verb to uh, make it trademark, which is ridiculous. Um, hey, but here's a really cool part. No one's been able to trademark the word free yet. And me and Zach try to monopolize that market. And so unless free becomes illegal and I get served a cease and desist in this live, I'll let you guys know, but I'm going to go ahead and throw it around freely. So 
Guys, make sure that you use the comment section. If you are brand new here, I want you to check on the bottom there. Go over to freewholesaling.com. This is the course where in exchange for your email address, and that is all 100% disclosure, I don't do the fake free thing where I teach you a few things free and then go, oh, to get access to this information, you have to be a premier uh, member to do that. That is not free. That is called um, a dog and pony show. It's what's the correct word for it? The correct verbiage for that, I believe, is um, um, it's a bait and switch. If you ever got into something, you start using someone's software or something like that, and you think it's pretty cool, and you only went into it as free, and then they go, oh, I'm sorry, you can't actually get the results of that software. We let you put in all the data, but you got to click the subscription to do it, and you got to do it for a year or six months. Guys, that is that stuff's just got to stop, and I believe everybody on here is just tired of the, like, the bait and switch on that crap. If you're going to do something free, just give the whole dang thing away for free and leave it at that. And disclose that you have a full mentoring ship program and it goes up to X amount of number. Guys, and listen, if Tony Robbins can get away with doing it, then we could do this in the wholesaling community. All I ask is you just put blatantly what the fees are for it instead of doing a discovery call. Once again, good enough for Tony Robbins, one of the most influential people in the world, probably the best communicator. Why can't we all be just transparent like that? It would make everyone's life easier and we'd stop putting a black mark on how we sell people in this industry. So that's my rant on that. Be very careful. The word free is such a misleading word now. 95, probably 100, almost 99% of the time when they say it's free, it ain't free. You get this. That's like saying, listen, I'll give you um, three free tires with your car, but you got to pay for the fourth one. And the fourth tire is like $35,000. The tires technically, the three tires are free as long as you pay for the fourth one. So stuff drives me crazy. So, okay. So you guys go over to freewholesaling.com. The word free, there is no issues here. Check in the comments, check on all our live streams. We never have an issue on it. So if you guys are new to me, you guys probably know my son, Zach. Again, he's very infamous on TikTok. He does very well on Instagram. And as I said, we do a business together and the idea of this channel is so you guys could get more exposure with me. So let's get started. So let me jump down here and let's go over the lists. <laughs> okay. I see some funny comments in here. I, I, I promise you um, I will get to them all. Guys, all I want, like, I, honestly, a lot of people think me and Zach have beefs with gurus. I just have beef with people who try to rip people off. And if you don't have a beef with people like that, then you're, 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 you're not going through life like uh, conscious and, and aware of it. So just I, I'm trying to inspire a change in this industry. There's a lot of wonderful people in the real estate investing community, particularly the wholesaling community. But for some reason, the way we go about introducing courses, everything like that, I just think it sucks. I had to go through this entire crap you guys did for 20 years. And I just decided about four or five years ago, I'm done with this stuff. I'm done with the games. Why don't we just be transparent and open? And the idea is you guys will gravitate towards the people that are the most transparent and the most helpful with what they do. So you're going to see a big push for free stuff in wholesaling, especially for 2023. Why? 
because the writing's on the hand wall for these, these guys and gals. So if they would just be honest and transparent and go, listen, I got a $10,000 course and I'll teach you how to do your first deal wholesaling. Decide if $10,000 is really worth it for you because I can tell you it's not. You're not going to be profitable on that deal. End of story. And by the way, once you even slightly do a first deal, you're done and they're all going to tell you you got to spend money. That's why they hate when me and Zach release these lists. So let's get into the list. Um, I know, I, boy, I, I got a feeling there's a lot of gurus sitting on the other thing like, oh, crap. He's getting ready. He or she's getting ready to call their lawyer. Like Rick's about to do it again. And I'm like, give me a break. So, guys, if you love this comment, make sure you smash that like button. That helps more viewers like you to find this. And God forbid, make sure you are subscribed um, to the Rickin YouTube channel. So um, let's dive into it. So, guys, the real the real terminology on this is it's so funny is when a guru finds a list and they think they've found gold, like nobody else has ever figured this out. They immediately go and try to trademark the, the, the name. And then they hang everything they have on the marketing on it. So maybe it's subject to, or maybe it's like, so by the way, nobody can um, corner the market on creative financing. Nobody can um, corner the word on wholesaling. Now, even big corporations are in this game. Did you know there's a certain franchise out there that I can't even use their words, but it has to do something about ugly houses. If you put one thing on a printed house that says that, like word for word, you're getting a letter from a lawyer. I think it's ridiculous because these terms have been around for like 100 plus years. I'm telling you, our grandfather's grandfathers were telling their neighbors they had an ugly house. You need to find somebody to buy it. So, um, I'm going to try to get through this list without giggling too much. I just think it's ridiculous. And remember the whole purpose, somebody trademarking said, well, I'm trying to build my brand. No, they're not. They're trying to corner their market and trying to make sure everything goes through them. That's why they send out a bunch of cease and desist orders. Do you know there's entire people that make a living off suing off people when they trademark something? So I won't go any further on it. Let's go through list number one. And I purposely changed how I word these lists so I do not get in trouble. So this one, I can't get in too much trouble. But we'll start with an easy one. Garage sales. Now, I've been attacked on this one before. And like so-and-so invented that in 2013-14. Uh, That's funny. I've been doing it since 2003. So I didn't run down to my patent office and record it. So if you're thinking about garage sales, you are not going to garage sales to shop for all the little tchotchke items, which is still a lot of fun. Uh, Gary V makes an entire living doing that, teaches people how to do it. And you can do that. Obviously, we want to go for the real estate. But the key is I'm not talking about regular garage sales. We are looking for basically absentee owners, landlords of garage sales. Why? Because garage sales are put up by who? Not the owner of the property because he or she doesn't live there. It's always going to be the tenants. And when these tenants post these garage sales and you can find any of them online, anywhere, Facebook groups, Craigslist, it's endless. They're typically doing a very fast move out and they are wrapping it all up. And nine times out of 10, these houses are pretty badly damaged. Now, what we do is find the absentee owner and you can either um, skip trace. You just look up the absentee owner. If you don't know an absentee owner, it just means it's a landlord. So they don't live there. They rent the house out. And then once I see they posted a garage sale, I'm going to reach out to that owner. I'm going to skip trace them and get their phone number. 
And then once I get their phone number, I'm going to call them or you can send them a note in the mail or something like that. Do not put a notice on the door because they don't live there and say, hey, listen, I noticed you're having a big sale at the property. And just be quiet and see how they respond to that. If you surprise them and shock them, you actually have a great shot at getting a deal because you just notified them their tenants moving out, their properties in rough condition. And when you have that change, anything like that in real estate, that's when you get a great opportunity for a deal. Because once it's vacant, nine times out of 10, that's when the landlord decides if he or she's going to sell the property. And what this is, it's a numbers game. So if you can find 20 or 30 garage sales on a weekend, you can always find one or two people that are always surprised. And here's the really cool about it. I should label this um, December garage sales or Christmas garage sales because December is the biggest month for this. So the idea is it's a little bit of a rough conversation when they get upset and they find out you just did it. But the reality of the situation is you're actually helping the landlord out. You're giving them information. And if he or she connects with you, you build some rapport, then at least you can have a shot at looking at the property. And if it's in rough shape, it is a great deal for all to have. So I should call it Christmas garage sales until I get a, uh, a, a cease and desist letter on it. But by the way, guys, you can find these all for free. It's really not that hard. And um, you just have to be persistent at it. Now, I will tell you this. Make sure you avoid the people that do the chronic garage sales because they are not your target market. Absentee owners in your market for like rental type homes. And when the tenant gives a garage sale it is usually not a good thing. And they do it very quick. And they usually move out within a week or two of the garage sale. And that's how we found a pattern on a lot of our good deals that people were having garage sales as we went and looked at the house. And I'm like, why don't we just go ahead and beat them at it? So that's number one. Uh, the next one. It's just a debt lien list. Not that anybody can corner the market on this, but um, you guys, um, if you want to use any of the type of softwares um, that we recommend or anything like that, you can either go through um, ListREI or ZachData.com. And then what we try to do is you can pull up these lists. Now, you can pull up all these lists for free. Don't get me wrong. It's actually, it's all in official records. But if you want to use one of the... Um, you can use PropStream or the Batch. We let you use either one because we're all about free choice for you guys. I am not owned by any company. I don't work for any company. I just promote products that work within my business. And that's why I like to use them. So um, I'm not a huge fan of the IRS liens because they are a major pain in the butt. Um, on minimum, it takes about 90 days to, on average, with a lot of your diligence to lift an IRS lien off of a property. Remember, very rarely are you ever negotiating an IRS lien. You just want it lifted off that property. And a lot of times you can do it if you um, convince the homeowner to uh, settle a portion of that debt so the IRS can get their money so you can move on. The credit card um, debt thing is basically, it's, it's like a profiling. And why I like it is because it can include your pre-nods. Um, that's your notice of default. And what they do is they build a they they build um, an algorithm. And people that get behind on their car payments, get behind on their debt, and they own a piece of property, it's actually wildly accurate. But the down part is you got to pay for some of this information. Sometimes you have to use third-party vendors. I try to always use them within the softwares that we recommend because they're they're valid and they're trusted. So um, listori.com or zackdata.com. And sometimes you can use third parties. 
just be very, very careful with third parties, especially individuals. Make sure they're from a big um, data company because you, if you're taking somebody else's data, you're usually getting used crappy information. Now, one of my favorite lists been coming up that you can easily do through um, listrei.com is HOA liens. So I don't know about you, but in the state of Florida, HOA liens have a ridiculous amount of power. They can actually supersede the first mortgage and a lot of them foreclose on it. So a lot of these HOAs want to get these debts paid and they're wide open to you um, leveraging a deal with it. It's a little bit more advanced, but it definitely does work. So just keep it in mind um, when it comes to that. But um, I don't think anybody can trademark that term. Now, now we're getting into uh, areas where I've definitely 100% being attacked and I'm still under scrutiny under this now. So now I got to get uh, Mark Zuckerberg's permission to use Facebook groups. And I've seen people call this meta leads and stuff like this. There, there's even a quote for a, uh, uh, somebody uses like a symbol like this and they throw the word free in there somewhere. And guys, we've been using this strategy since like Facebook came out. So once again, somehow it got invented in, I don't know, 2016, 17. And I know it's been out a lot longer than that. So let me teach you how this simply works. It's you have Facebook groups. So a lot of you have, have simple interests, like maybe you like dogs or you like cats and you join like a, a dog group. And so you go in there and you get established. Um, you get to know people, you comment. You don't want to go in there like the first day and do it because that's what all these ridiculous crypto people do. And, and nobody ever believes in any of that stuff. And once you get established, then you can post in there, you know, hey, just to let you know, I have cash and I buy houses in the area. It's what I do for a living. And you have a certain element of trust. And once you have that trust, you can actually gravitate people towards you through comments, reposts and stuff like that. And imagine if you're part of 10 or 12 groups, it works wonderfully. It's a little bit tricky. I'm not going to lie to you because you do not want to be posting in groups you know nothing about. So if you know nothing about cowboying and how to lasso a, uh, a cow <laughs> and stuff like that, you really don't want to do it from there. Those people will probably eat you alive. But this is using the old trick tale of gaining people's trust through other people's influence. But you got to get in that group. You got to be an established member. And once you do that, you can actually get leads pretty much for free. You got to put in the work to do that. Um, I can't use the correct terminology on this because I've definitely, definitely uh, been hammered on this one. But um, guys, this has been around forever. Nobody owns this stuff. And the fact that you have to pay someone three, four, five, seven thousand $7,000 to learn this particular technique. Remember, that's just one technique of wholesaling you will go broke and you see how you get trapped in these guru pits. Like, let me teach you this one little technique. Even back in the days when I sold basic marketing courses, I taught one specific skill set and I priced it accordingly, usually within a couple hundred bucks and everybody was happy and it worked out awesome. But now you have the advent of courses from 2000 to 10,000. They tell you they'll teach everything. The reality is they don't know anything because they haven't been wholesaling long. And most of them stopped wholesaling so they could be the master guru because it's much easier to flip students than it is properties. But I digress. So guys, Facebook group strategies, I have a word for it, but I'm not allowed to use it. It works really well. Remember, you have to go to groups that you can establish trust and rapport. 
So this is my next favorite one. I've, I'm almost scared to use the word vacant anymore because it's like somebody has. Um, so people are putting digits on the end of this phrase and calling it a trademark course. And you can never use that terminology or I will sue you. So, guys, I'm under complete threat by even doing this like live stream. I just think it's I want you to understand the irony of this. Like, can you imagine if like you went and trade like imagine if I trademarked the word fishing? God knows I love the fish. And I said, anybody uses the word fishing owes me a hundred dollars or you can't talk about it. It's ludicrous. I think it's crazy how this and everyone goes, well, it's, it's termed around branding. OK, well, then come up with your own word and please don't take part of an existing word and make that your brand. Just come up with your own wording and move on. OK, I did flip with Rick. I don't even like why? Because my name's in it and I flip properties. And honestly, I did it when I was a lot younger probably come up with more choice words to use now to define what means act do accurately, but it works. It's personal. That's a brand that's fine. And you guys know where you're going to. So vacant land before I digress, I'm only allowed to use these two words. If I add anything else to it, I'm in violation of, I guess, whatever I agreed to, which I agreed to nothing and I never will. Vacant land has been around forever. I've been flipping vacant land since 2003. Um, I've had people ask me, do you think vacant land's more attractive right now? Vacant land's always been attractive. It's where all real estate projects start. The challenge with vacant land is if you can't turn around and sell it immediately, you're stuck with it. And people are very wary on developing right now. And that is the downside of vacant land. The upside of vacant land, it's dirt cheap. And if you can do an owner financing deal or buy it for little to no money, it's something worth banking in the long run. So don't let anybody ever confuse you about vacant land. All vacant land is, is you have a piece of land without a piece of property on it. And you don't have to worry about walking anyone through it. Um, you can typically get much longer um, contingency periods. A lot of vacant land is 60 to 90 days as opposed to a property 30 days or under. And some people just don't care. And if you have to back out of a land contract, it's easy. There's a lot less emotional reaction because obviously nobody's living on the property, but they got their hands on. I love vacant land. I always do vacant land. Never will stop doing vacant land. It's a little bit more challenging the price sometimes. And you have to decide if you're selling it to an individual on an infill lot. An infill lot means all the infrastructure is built around the neighborhood and there's just one or two lots remaining that need to be built on. Meaning the sewer's already set up, the power's already set up, and Obviously, they're a, more, a lot more attractive. Raw land can be challenging because you don't know what it's finally going to be permitted for. You don't know the cost of the infrastructure. And sometimes you have to wait for the infrastructure. So unless you want to do the Elon Musk thing with the Starlink and have a, like an off-the-grid house, which is horribly expensive, you would never want to do that if you lived in a unless you lived out you know, in the wilderness. Um, understand vacant land is always going to be around. So my next, one of my next ones here. Let's see. Um, <clears throat> I recently was told I'm not supposed to do a state sale. So I'm going to call it a state sales. It's got an S on the end. So if a lawyer is watching me right now, estate sales have been around like for thousands of years, back to the, like the, 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 the beginning of time. People have always stole stuff, especially when people pass away. Why I like estate sales is there's people in your community, in your towns, 
that their job is to advertise for people that got a lot of junk in their house or people that have recently passed away and they got to get and liquidate all the belongings in the house and they want to get it sold and they don't want to deal with any of it. So they typically reach out to the estate sales. Here's the best place. You got to use sales with an S guy or we get in trouble. <laughs> this is so funny. I should have a lawyer sitting right next to me is they typically advertise these in newspapers still, or like on the sides of those like diner um, plates you have on them. And it's best for you to, to form a relationship with these companies. Now they're typically ladies that run these companies, because let's face it, the ladies are more organized and they can talk people off a ledge a lot easier than us men can. And all you want to do is let them know that at the end of the day, if they need to sell the property, you'd be happy to cut them a referral fee um, if the client decides to move forward with you. Okay. You're not paying them a commission or doing like that. And you can actually um, have them help promote the house to sell while they're doing the estate sale. Guys, I have three uh, estate salespeople I use in my local market and they work out phenomenally. Now, they're not going to call you on every deal, but every now and then they're like, hey, would you ever just consider selling the house? Now, here's how I also pitch the estate salespeople. If I can go in and make an offer on the house, I'll make an offer for everything in it and I'll just give you the estate stuff. So they don't really have to share in any of the profits with anyone. So say I buy a house for a hundred thousand and we'll just take everything in the house, which I look at everything in the house as junk anyways. And by the way, guys, just so you know, don't ever open a thrift store if you want to get in real estate because there's no money in it. There's a reason why stuff goes to thrift because nobody else wants it. Your typical piece of furniture at the day after you buy it, it drops in 80% in value, if not 90%. The stuff's just not, it's just not worth anything. Nobody likes used furniture. Go, go out. That's why you don't see a lot of people asking for used beds, used couches. They they're going to get, they're usually hand-me-downs because they cost more to move. So go out and establish these relationships with these estate sales with an S and you will do very well with it. I'm telling you, it is, um, I love estate sales. I've never stopped doing them. And just that little method I just taught you right there is uh, what's in it for the, the estate sale people if they work for you. Because a lot of times they have to either um, split the profits or they, they come to some sort of an agreement um, to do it. So if you can give them the stuff for free, then like you're the, like best friends. Let's get to my favorite list. And you guys know exactly what this is. And it's probates. And by the way, I've been told by five, five gurus, I'm not allowed to share this list because it's in their course. I don't give a crap. I really don't care. Probates are probates. When somebody passes away, a probate is nothing more than a, a court-appointed approval of the sale of the asset. And it's not just real estate, cars, boats, RVs, land, um, bank accounts, stock certificates, bonds, you name it, no matter what it is. And then the court is just to make sure that the deceased person's final wishes are carried through. They appoint through their will, a PR, a personal representative or an executor, depending where you are. And then that person enters into agreements and they they decide, they make the final decision on what the asset's going to sell for. Now, I love probates because I, I honestly think if you work with me, you get a huge advantage because I show you how to work on these probates and give you the competitive uh, advantage over anybody else. 
because eight out of 10 lawyers, probably nine out of 10 lawyers will tell you, you cannot sell a piece of property until the probate's complete. It is 100% a lie. It it's, I'm just, I've yet to find a state where that is a factual statement. The reason they use that statement is a fear statement and it gives the lawyer absolute control. So I teach you how to bust through that and get it done quickly. If you guys want to learn more, spend time with me. I post a lot of this stuff on my flip with Rick channel on my Rickin channel here too. And you guys know how I feel about probates. Probates are by far my most profitable, um, highest yielding wholesale deals to date. If you guys just did one or two wholesales a year, it, it would be doing like five regular wholesale deals. So they're challenging. They take some more time. And man, do you have to be patient doing probates. There is no other word to describe it. That's how you have to do it. But I never stopped doing it. It lacks the sex appeal of like huge volume, like let's go fast, let's get a deal. But uh, my my average probate exceeds $37,000. Now it's gone down a little bit this year, but you know, that's kind of a market condition. But considering the average wholesale between 10 and 20 grand, that is a substantial increase on what you guys typically do over them. And by the way, they're the easiest properties to sell. So they're typically vacant. They need a lot of work. They are perfect for what we do in wholesaling. <clears throat> so if I had to pick from the list, hands down, I would pick probates. I'm waiting for someone to completely try to shut me down and say, you can't do it. And um, guys, whenever a guru tells you, oh, you can't use that word, you can't use this, it is a control piece. It doesn't make sense. If we're truly all here to help people out, why would you care if I use a word? Because I promise you, every guru or every coach was taught this business by somebody else. So if everybody trademarks every name going forward, we're all going to be in a world of hurting in 10 years. Because you can't use any words. Everyone's going to sue everyone. And the only reason people do it, in my opinion, is out of greed. Other than your own name, or if you created a word and you want to do it, that's the only reason you would do it. Like me and Zach used the word government list. I'm not going to go out and trademark it, although I should. I probably never get approval, but you'll never hear another guru use the words government list because number one, they don't want to promote a free list because a free list would hurt the value they think they offer to you. And number two, how do you market a free list? How do you, they, they, you can't. If you come in my course, you pay me 10,000. I go, hey, you got to go attack all these free lists. You're probably going to get pissed. And I just want you to understand, I hate the title like we use today, but unfortunately it's true. I have been chased around and harassed by so-called gurus by, because they've, they've trademarked a name on stuff. And for the most part, they're, the word threatened is like about as far as most people will go with me because I'm very well versed in, in how the legal world works. But I, I find it ridiculous. I'd love to take some people on because the fact that you think you can own a word and nobody else can use it and they have to pay you a fee for it is ridiculous. So if you created a brand, a brand new product, and it's never been used before, knock yourself out. But if you're doing something that people have been doing for hundreds of years before you and then you get cute with the title, I don't agree with what you're doing. I, I'm sorry. And I'll fight you till like till the day I die. So that's my rant on these lists. Um, look past the gimmicks of the words and stuff we use. All these lists I just told you, they work phenomenally. They work. And if you're not using them in your business, you're missing out. Obviously, I want you to use government lists. Government lists or any coin, uh, court appointed leads. 
your code violations, your fire damage, your water shutoffs, your probates, your evictions, your pre-foreclosures, and divorce. I'm not a big fan on divorce on that. So um, let me go through some comments here. I marked some of these, and then I'm going to jump on the lives, and let's get into it. So, wow, a lot of people on today. Really cool. Um, so George asks, hey, Rick, I'm from South Texas. My question is, when driving for dollars, are there houses that I should pass on, such as wooden ones that look like they need a lot of work? No. He goes, George, remember, you're not living in them. Number two, you're not going to fix them up. You're looking for people that need help in their situation. So if we can flip a vacant piece of land, then you can easily flip one of these properties. Worst case scenario is the whole property needs to be demoed and you just price it out for land. So guys, don't ever filter your leads based on like what you see until you're in this business for at least two years because you don't have enough knowledge to go, okay, this works, this doesn't work. I've had big, beautiful, incredible houses that look like they know work. They worked well. And then I had properties just like George um, alluded to here. Like I, this thing's never going to work. You never know what people's situations are. Remember, all real estate are symptoms of human problems. The real estate's never really the problem. It's the humans that own and operate the real estate that are the train wreck. And that's what we do in wholesaling. So at the end of the day, I say a wholesaler is part um, uh, psychologist, you're part welfare worker, um, you're master negotiator, and you're definitely a master um, marketer. And so, but good question. Really good. Um, so Emery's, uh, he's on here all the time. Um, I heard a guy in Guru say he invented something already used um, and not new in 1980 before he was born. So do you guys know what the word guru means? Do you know a guru is really, it's, it's, uh, it really focuses on a religious person that you look up to. So I don't even know how guru got even wrapped up in like uh, the information age because, well, I don't know. A couple of gurus seem like they like it could be. I, I saw somebody posting about like getting uh, tattoos of like guru stuff. And to me, that's crazy. So I, I have a lot of like uh, rock bands. I grew up and like I idolized. I thought about getting a tattoo. I go, you know, it's probably gonna be a bad decision down the road. So guys, please don't get a tattoo after a uh, guru or anything like that. I just you, you might want to check with your wife or your kids. Like you can do what you want, but. Um, if you ever get a tattoo, make sure it's got personal meaning to you. Don't get someone's other's identity other than you and your family's as a tattoo. And now I'm now I'm giving you tattoo consultants. So I only got one, so I'm not an expert on it. So, Ugh. okay, cool, man. Um, let's see here. So he says uh, most courses are garbage, anyways. Rick and Zach are the most authentic, and appreciate you guys. So. Listen, for full disclosure, not every not every course is garbage. Um, there's a lot of good people out there. Um, unfortunately, um, it's a lot less than bad. So if you gave me 10 gurus, I'm going to tell you probably 80% of them are not going to represent what they're telling you. Unfortunately, it's the truth. I've been in the business long enough. I know these numbers well. I've talked to most gurus. That's how it is. It's all a big sales game. And whoever can push revenue the hardest is usually the winner. And I hate the testimonials and gurus because they only pick the, the people that just started 
or the people that got one or two deals. And the problem is if you saw five testimonials, that means you had like probably 90 people that fell behind them. And that's why me and Zach never, ever go around and chase you guys for um, testimonials. Number one, I let you post the good and the bad. I don't care. I, I'm just going to tell you how it is. And that's the benefit of getting someone that you don't have to pay is they can actually tell you the truth. You guys can say what you want. Like, oh, my mentor, my coach is giving me tough love. If you give them five or 10 grand, he or she, you're not going to get tough love. You're going to get like soft love for the first 30 days because that's the refund policy. And then after that, they might get a little bit tougher with you. Just my opinion, guys. Just my opinion. So, um, so guys, if you want to jump on a call, just go over to Wholesaling Houses for Real. Make sure you're a member there and make sure you're subscribed to Rickin's channel, Zachin's channel, and Flip with Rick. There's a reason why we do this protocol. So the idea is we can identify who we're talking about. So in case I get a guru's student or a troll that wants to jump on here and just start bad-mouthing us because it's live, I can at least identify and we can have a two-way conversation. So if you can't share your name and the information, then I'm a little bit suspect about sharing you with the rest of the audience because we're all here to help each other out. So um, we'll have to uh, we'll have to see on that. So let's see here. Um, uh, Okay, I am going to jump on some lives and I'll collect questions why I'm doing this because it's only one person in the studio here. It's just me. So I'm going to go with first come, first serve. Is he there? Hey, can you hear me? Yeah, can you hear me? Yes, sir. How you doing? Good, man. How are you? I'm doing all right. Okay, don't don't get an accident while you're driving there, okay? <laughs> where, where, uh, where are you located? I'm in Houston, Texas. Looks like you got a little traffic there. Oh, man. It's the worst time to be <laughs> on the road right now. <laughs> yeah, oh, my God. What's going on, man? What can I help you out with? All right, so I got a bit of a situation. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with League City. Uh, it's a little outside of Houston. But um, I have a property. Uh, I'm thinking about getting on a contract, but I'm trying to figure out a way to structure it. Um let me ask you this. Is it possible to wholesale the sub two deal? Yes. At that, so the correct word, so we don't get in trouble, is subject to. Subject you're, not allowed, to. you're not allowed the word to use sub. That's right. That's right. So it's, it's subject to. So I don't want to. And, and honestly, the correct word is subject to. So I guess it's, it's pretty gangster to use like the other word around with it. But um, yes, you can easily do that. Guys, you can wholesale anything. I, I so here's the funny thing is I'm in the right. process okay. of wholesaling a yacht as we speak and I'm trying something completely new. I'm trying to take the exact strategies I teach you guys and do it in some other industries. But go ahead, tell me what's going on with the deal. Let's see what we can help you out with. Uh, so to sell, crazy, you're you're breaking up. Hold on, hold on, hold on one second. Let's see if it clears in traffic here. Grizzy, you there? Grizzy, I'm going to come back to you because you're just in a you're in a bad spot. I'm getting every third word. So I'm going to go to one person. I'm going to come back to you. Just see if you can find an area you get a little better service. Okay? LeBlanc, are you there? 
Hey, Rick, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. Um, so I had a couple questions. So I had, um, I was in the process of getting this mobile home under contract, but I didn't know how to comp it. And he really, really needed to get rid of it. Okay, that's um, an easy one. I love mobile homes. And for full disclosure, I avoided mobile homes for the first probably 10 years of my wholesaling career. You know why? Because I had bad information. I was told okay. mobile homes are like, they're no good. You're wasting your time. I'm telling you guys, mobile homes are like, they're trendy now because they're affordable and everybody wants them from investors to um, homeowners to renters because everyone's tired of all the taxes and the insurance on a regular home. So where, what state are we located in? I think it was in, I think it was in Atlanta or Texas. Okay. I think it was in Texas, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. I'm sorry. Are you, I'm not, are you I'm doing this virtually? Yes. I'm actually from Cleveland, Ohio. Okay. So tell me what's going on with it. Uh, nothing. He just, he just said he wants to move to Florida. Okay. So well. he he want ninety thousand for it. he said he already took off um forty thousand. He said he needed ninety thousand for it, but it's nothing wrong with it. He just don't own the land. So that's gonna be your biggest red flag when I was gonna go over with you on that. So yeah. the only way you want to uh, get into these things, um the only way you could get into the deal and make it work with him is if you had to put nothing down or like uh, like fifteen hundred dollars or less. Uh, they have to own the land underneath of it because typically that land's going to be owned by like a master landlord that probably okay. owns hundreds of lots around it. And that's how they make their money. People pull their lots on. They, how much is the monthly fee? I didn't ask them all that. <laughs> yeah. So there's going to be a, a fee. So that's um, for the power hookup, for the septic system um, and for the water line. And it makes sense. Like I get it, but I can't make any of these deals work out unless you get in there basically for free because the minute you transact on it, there's a million rules. The rules are like ridiculous and mm -hmm. the rules are all set up in favor of the landlord, not you. So you're not, I even did one of these, like one, just like you did. And the guy, I gave him a thousand bucks for it. I gave up in the end. Like they fought me. They wanted to foreclose on it. I was just like, there was so many rules. So, the typical one you want to do is one where they own the land underneath of it. Okay. okay. Look, look at the mobile home. It's just a, it's just a, it's a little bit more of a flimsy house. That, I mean, let's just say it what it is. So um, mm -hmm. the reason is because if you don't own the land under it, that's what really appreciates on a mobile home. The mobile home itself actually depreciates. It's like a car. So mm. you can re-roof them like once and that's it. Because it, it, so like in the state of Florida to replace a mobile home, which I do this quite a bit, it's $65,000. It's got the kitchen. You put the appliances, you drop it in there. Um, I'd rather spend the 65,000 than pay a guy a hundred grand to build a tiny little house, half the size of it. Okay. The key is you got to own the land. If you own the land, if he owns the land with it, then it's simple. As far as evaluation, uh, his numbers way like uh, how did it even come up with that number if he was originally at what like 130,000 or something like that 120,000 how did he come right. up with 90,000 I don't he, when I asked him that he didn't respond he just started talking about something else and I'm just like mm, like where did you get the number from because I was trying to figure out how are you confident like, yeah, where did you get so, this number from uh, 
so guys, always remember this. When a seller gives you a sales price, it's just a reference. Please do not hang your hat on it as the ARV okay. because it's, it's rarely ever even close to the ARV. So let's just pretend for a learning uh, exercise for you. Assume he owns the land underneath of it. He spits you out a $90,000 price. How are you going to know if that's a, the right price or not for a mobile home? Uh, I don't know. So I mean, mobile I homes are pretty simple. You can look, you can look at sales around you. Sometimes they're misleading mm -hmm. to understand. Um, so I would just go to the um, property appraiser site to look around surrounding sales because they're usually tight knit communities. And number two, just find out what they rent for and find out the age of the mobile home, which is really important because really after a mobile home's 40 years old, definitely 50, it's time to get rid of it and just put a new one in because that's, mm -hmm. that's, it's a pain in the butt, but it's really convenient for an investor because it doesn't take you six, seven months to do a rehab on it. It usually takes a week. They slide it in there, hook up the uh, utilities and you're good to go. The most important part of a mobile home in my opinion, this is how I evaluate it is how much are they going to rent for? So if the guy gave you 90 grand, go, that's great. Ask him how much they rent for if he's renting it out or living in it. And then go try to drive around the neighborhood and see what other stuff is renting for. So it's usually going to be subpar of a rental house, but guys, they're not far off. So I bought an entire street with a bunch of mobile homes. I think we picked up me and Zach picked up six or seven. That's not a lot, but like they're, they're hard to get. Uh, these are regular, like the individual owned the lots. We made offers. We sold three of them off and kept four of them. And guess what? I bought them when they were renting for 300 a month. So here mm -hmm. I am two and a half, almost three years later. They're now getting $1,200 a month. Oh, wow. So everything when you present, if you wanted to sell this deal and wholesale it, um, you would look for a, a landlord that is looking for a return that likes those types of properties. And by the way, there's much more buyers than there's available inventory in this. And they're just going to do a calculation on a return. So let me ask you, Labana, if you are going to put, say, a, a $10,000 into a bank, what would you realize, what would you say, I'll give the bank $10,000 if you give me a X amount percentage of a return? What number would you come up with? Hopefully you're mm -hmm. a little unreasonable. <laughs> if, say, say you gave your friend $10,000. Not Friends, probably not a good analogy because you're probably never going to see the money again. <laughs> if you got friends like I did. So like, oh, Rick, you're good. I'll pay it back. I, by the day you die, you'll get it all back. I promise you. I got a lot of friends out like there. But say, <laughs> say you gave someone like uh, uh Say you gave a very reputable business. They're like, okay, uh, if you can loan us $10,000, what would you expect for a return on that? Roughly, percentage-wise. Maybe like 2%. Well, I, you need to do more than that. So the bank's right around 1%. But like um, most, so if you could now apply that to a piece of real estate that supposedly the land appreciates and the rents go up over time, if you put that 10 grand into it, you got a monthly return say you sell it in five or 10 years, you should be able to sell it for significantly more money. So most investors on a trailer park, they're usually looking for minimum 10% and they'll go up to 15 to 16%. Trust me, they go much wilder in there, 20, 30, 40%. Those are parks that are out of control and you got to buy the whole park. I like mm -hmm. to buy the individual ones and you can pick a way through it. So always look at the rent. If you got $1,000 a month in rent, you can, you can do an easy calculation. 
if most investors are targeting between 10 and 12% on real estate returns, it's just a simple math problem. I'm not here to teach you how to do algebra. Actually, you don't want me to teach you how to do algebra. I just know how to revert. Like you just figure out what the equation is. The other attractive part is the taxes are very low on these properties. And most of these properties have just a basic liability policy because they're so cheap. There's no point in paying thousands of dollars um, for insurance on it. So they make a very, very healthy return. So when the guy says, I want 90,000, say it only gets um, $1,000 a month. So that would yield you roughly, let's just estimate about $11,000 a year once you minus off like tax and some basic insurance. So I take 11,000 and I divide it by 90,000. And that gives me a 12% return. So I'm just giving you ideas and how, like all, all I ever care about on a, um, a mobile home is the rate of return because that's always what I'm selling on it. People. So every now and then I'll come in these homes and maybe they're selling for like 150. If the uh, ARV is higher then go to the ARV, but most likely a lot of people bought these things for 20, 30,000. And that's how they're usually probably going to price them. The problem here is if he doesn't own the land, you have no control of anything. And that, that way you're most likely going to get killed because you're just a renter of it. That's it. And unless it's a brand new mobile home he just dropped on there, there is no way in heck it's even a deal. I don't even have to go through the numbers. What's his the motivation moment, for selling? He just said he wants to move to Florida. Yeah, well, he's going to get a sticker shock when he comes here. <laughs> yeah. Because um, my mobile I homes, I bought them between ten dollars and $25,000. Mm -hmm. And most mobile homes are like around a buck fifty now, which is insane to me. Because for 10 years, I could buy these things all day long for three to $5,000, like really nice ones. And I go, I don't do mobile homes. Why? Because I just didn't know any better. So if you guys ever have to run comps on a mobile home, like don't lose your head. Just always go off the rent first. Because if a mobile home is running for, say, 800 a month and the guy wants to sell it for 10 grand, take it. Like take it right off the bat because you could earn 800 every month for the rest of your life and the number will only go up. So to me, that's a small sacrifice. And then think about that. If you, you don't have to keep it, but it's really easy to sell. People love that stuff. Like I beg for mobile homes. To me, they're huge cash cows. They make a ton of money. The problem is most mobile homes are sold in like entire parks. So if you go in the South a lot, other than Florida, you'll see a lot of that in uh, Alabama, Southern Georgia, um, and somewhat a little bit in the Carolinas, but they've all been bought up and they're all like sell trading for millions of dollars. You could buy the entire park for $250,000, hundreds of them. And now that those days are over. So if you find the opportunity to buy and be able to get one parcel in a mobile home park, number one, make sure they own the land. And number two, just find out what they rent for. And you can just do a simple math equation just like that. And then honestly, the higher the number is, usually the better your odds of selling it. But in my opinion, if the number gets to, if it gets around 25, 30%, someone's probably lying to you. Like the whole mobile home is probably like caving in or something like that. I've had a couple mobile homes I bought cheap. I was like, there's no way in heck I'm renting this thing out. Cause I, um, I fell through a mobile home. Thank God Zach cut that out of the film and they just get old. They deteriorate. They're like, so how, how old's your car, Labana right now? Uh, 2011, 10 years. 
Yeah. So, it, you know, it, it ten, it, so mobile homes, like they, they're just, they're not built like a regular house to last forever. So um, I hope that helps you out. Yeah. Oh, guys, don't be scared of mobile homes. They work from a cash flow standpoint. They are phenomenal because right now for me in my market, um, for like, I like to home, own homes locally. I do own others across the country and I have partners on those, but a home, they're very expensive to insure right now. And the property taxes, us investors, we don't get breaks because we don't live in the house. And so like in the city of Port St. Lucie, which you all know I'm in that market, between taxes and insurance, it's like ten to $12,000 a year before you even get into any operational part of the house. That's all going to your government agencies before you can even make a profit. Then you got to pay for the house on top of it. And that's why mobile homes you can just cut straight to the front of the line for cash flow. Hey, Rick, Thanks, I got man. another question. Yeah, I okay. got you. I got you. <laughs> but Shoot. I got another question. So I got a property under contract in Detroit, right? And um, I did was asked to take off 70% of the purchase price, right? And when I went to try to sell it, nobody wants it. <laughs> It need a lot of work done to it, but don't don't nobody want it. So now I'm looking crazy to the seller. Like I thought you said that you were going to buy it. You know, I just don't know what to so, do. So walk walk me through it again. Just give me the cliff notes on it. You you you're in a contract on a property, right? Okay, so I'm in the contract on a property. Um, the original price that he wanted was forty five thousand, I think, mm -hmm. but I got him down to twenty eight. And it needs a full rehab. So I told him, I said, can we go down to like 20? And he said he'd do 24, but um, that's as low as he's going. And then uh, he said he has other people that's trying to buy it. And I told him earlier, I said, well, you know what? Just go ahead. You know, if you, <laughs> you got other people that's yeah. trying to buy it, just, you know, let them get it. And so then, what, was the initial, what was the initial offer you gave to him? Uh, it was 28. And how did you come up with that number? So I multiplied um, the asking. I multiplied the asking price by seventy percent, right? Yes and no. So where did you get him okay. from? Where Where did you find him from? What list? De uh, Detroit, the um, for sale by owners. Okay. That's a, it's a good starting ground. So yes, that's a, it's a good shoot over the bow. Remember the whole idea is a lot of people mix the 70% rule up. Cause that's like an old school rule. Mm -hmm. um, and my son teaches you, cause I'm not a FISBO caller. Like I, I just, it's never been my thing because I find these people very difficult, but there are deals in it. Um, so if you talk to a hundred FISBOs, you just got to cut to the chase on some of these to see if any, were going to work with you. So you were right in starting there. And then you just sometimes just kind of work your way down. So guys, not mm -hmm. everything works because was he, uh, was the seller transparent to you on the condition of the property? Were you aware of it? Yeah. He uh, sent me pictures that wasn't even on Zillow. Like it, it does need a lot of work. Um, so keep and, in mind the 70% is just, it's just a test. It's not like, Hey, okay. let's set the contract. It's an initial, Hey, is this person going to even have the motivation to talk to me? Once you do right. that and they're talking to you, so let me just, that's your permission now to go find the real ARV. Because I right. guess what, Labana, do you think the seller ever gives you the real ARV? No. 
No. No. They, 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 they give you the inflated dream price, and you yeah. can't base your offer on that. So did you ever figure out what the ARV on this was, if it was, like, fixed up? Uh-oh, I lost her. Well, I should jump back on. Let me get – Crazy, can you hear me? Yes, sir. Okay, uh, finish off where you left off last time. You were talking about a subject to deal that you were looking to uh, wholesale. So what's going on with it? Yeah, so the owner owns about uh, – they owe about 20000 to the mortgage company. Um, so I offered, you know, hey, let me take over their mortgage. I'll pay off the past due amount, and then um, we'll do a subject to deal. And I explained what that was to them. Um, and they, they okay. said they were, you know, they were down for that. Uh, so the, the thing is, I'm not quite sure how to, you know, put that into a contract and then what to sell it for, like what to, what to put my assignment fee for, because the ARV on a property is about 240. Um, and so I, I'm just not quite sure, you know, who's going to pay 40k, you know, say they pay, say I want a 20k assignment fee, who's going to pay 40k, you know, to then take over a mortgage, um, you know, and then the total mortgage amount is about 150k. So the, okay, so the ARV is around 240. Um, he owes about 20k on the mortgage, right? Right. Very minor amount. How much? How much work does the property need? Um. I mean, floors, walls, it's about a medium, I would say. Dollar amount, dollar amount. 50, dollar 100? Amount, I, I put 50. I'll say 50. Okay. And how much does the seller want? They, they just, so they're, they're, they're about to get foreclosed on, so they just want this past due amount gone. So 20K is pretty much what I can get in for. Okay. Do you have pictures of the property? Yes. Are you local? Is it local? Are you doing local or virtually? Local. Okay. And I mean, how rough is it? Because um, 50, 50 Ks, I'm going to be honest with you, it's 50 K doesn't get you what it used to get you. Like 50 K goes by real quick in rehabs. Right. So that's, if, that's my concern. So $240,000, is that an accurate ARV? Because that's usually a respectable house. Am I correct? Correct. And, it's actually it was actually conservative. Two forty was probably the lowest I saw. Um, the higher ones being around three hundred. But again, it's a it's you know I didn't want to. I've I've had to back out of deals before for you know. Okay. Putting so it too let, high. let's just call the ARV on this, and I'm gonna knock it down for you. Let's just call it one seventy five as is. Okay. Now, if the rehabs one hundred or two hundred, this number is like. It doesn't work. So I'm just right. going off what you're telling me. And you got to be honest because the only way I can help you is like, because we can all do pie in the sky numbers. So have they agreed to a, a, a contract with you yet? Or he says, hey, if you could do, when you say they're about to foreclose, on, how far behind is he on payments on it? Uh, he's about six months behind. Six months. And what's the roughly the, he tell you how much is doing arrears roughly? Because I'm sure there's a lawyer fee in there. 
Um, I, I so I have to I have to figure it out exactly because he wasn't sure, and he told me he'd call the company and get back to me today. Which so twenty twenty k, it can't be a huge like it can't be more than like one hundred fifty bucks a month, something like that, right? Right, right. So let's just assume, uh, let's just assume he's two thousand dollars behind with legal fees or something like that. Let's just call it let's call it two thousand bucks. So you're at one seventy one seventy five ARV. And let's just call $3,000 a miscellaneous crap that, because whenever you bring a lawyer in, that's what's going to happen. So for <laughs> to, this deal right now is basically the ARV is 175 and then um, there's 3K against it um, on, on back payments. So your question is, how can you sell this deal, correct? Correct. So it's, it's kind of easy. The challenge is when the mortgage is so much less substantial than the actual um, purchase price of the property, anything like that. It, it's not really a overly attractive thing because it's not a lot of money to people. Now, what I would do if I were you is you've looked at this property. You've looked at the pictures. How recent did you look at this property? This was on Saturday. And you think it's around 50 grand roughly. I know we're not doing gold fixtures and stuff like that, but um, how big of a house is it? How many square feet? Uh, it is about 1,500 square feet. Okay. Uh, so how's the kitchen? kitchen you got to replace the whole thing? Replace the whole thing. And the two baths? One bath replace or two? Replace the whole thing. Two, okay. Uh, one, and a, or one and a half, correct. Okay. So let's just assume the thing needs 75 worth of work. I'm just okay. covering you. Like, So basically... 75 plus so 78,000 makes this a $240,000 house. Dude, go get it under contract because this is like a you got to understand what are cash buyers looking for right now? What's the key? They're looking for smoking deals. So you can really you can sell this for like whatever you want because if you're telling me the guys like just take over the mortgage, do not overthink this. Do not overthink this. Now, you can take this over and have them uh, deed it to you. You don't want it deeded over to anybody until the mortgage is rectified because it's going to draw a lot of red flags from the banks. Um, but the mortgage, honestly, I think it's somewhat insignificant. I really don't even make it as a factor if you're going to do a deal or not. The fact that it's worth 240 and 78K makes it whole. So all I do is do a simple math problem here. Um, I'm old school math guy. Sorry. Roughly, that thing's worth about 140, 145 thousand in its ARV right now. My question to you is: If you could sell that to a cash buyer for 90 or 100 thousand, they're going to line up out your door and take that deal. If not, I'll take it from you. I'm just telling you. My question is: He's okay with you just taking over the property. Is there any other like crazy liens against the property, code violations, anything else? No. So basically, give you clarification on this, you basically, in a very conservative manner, have a $140,000 ARV property in its current state. And guys, that's what you want to look at in its current state. I hate using the word ARV because it says after repaired value. So this is the before repaired value, the BRV, before repaired value. It's 140, maybe 145. It might go north of that. So the question is, what discount brings a cash buyer in to buy this thing? I don't. 
if I was a cash buyer, between 75 and 100, I'd take this thing all day long. Think about it. So if, okay. if they picked it up, say they picked it up at 90 from you, and say they even put in 100, which like top notch, most likely they would wind up, um, they're in it for, say they're in it 200K and they spend six months and then they sell it for 250. It's a pretty nice churn. Like that's a really healthy return. So this is a really easy problem. As far as taking over the the, the mortgage subject too, I would definitely do it because you can basically take over a property with no pocket, no money out of your pocket. Like, so I think when you go to sell it low, you let that person just cash it out because it, it's such a minor amount. And most people with that kind of money you can do that kind of rehab. They're not really interested in a 20 K mortgage. They could care less. They don't care. And they want a clear title to it when they, so if you put say you put in 50 or a hundred thousand dollars on mortgage, you probably want it in your name with like no strings attached to it. I'm just telling you, this is what cash buyers want. So the reality is in its current condition, it's worth about 140 grand. So you got to sell it on a discount to it. So if you sold it between 75 and hundred, and the reason why I give you that range, we're in a strange market. And Chris, you got to keep understanding, I don't know your personal situation. If I'm a guy or gal who's struggling to pay my mortgage or my phone's going to get cut off or I got to put food on my family's plate, sell it for 70, 75 and get your paycheck quick. If you got a little bit more time, then swing the bat, run like a 30 day, because uh, it's going to cost you very little money to hold this thing for 30 days because if you take over the uh, the deed with the subject to the mortgage you can wait 30 45 days and get the highest offer and then if you only get 90 just take 90 and move on like it's it's easy the 20 grand's like don't lose sleep over that you can do an agreement with them write a PSA and then in the subject to part put the twenty thousand dollars and then remember you're going to have to work with him to rectify that mortgage to get it caught up so the worst case scenario is you might have to st stroke a check for a thousand or two thousand dollars, but honestly, that's not even required to do up front. You just don't want it to get any worse. So the twenty k is not your decision here. It's based on the current price, like you do wholesaling. Okay. Do you follow me? Yeah. You can basically take over property with no money due, take over the twenty k, but he's going to tell you for twenty k you got to make this mortgage right. Like you got to get it caught up. He's got to get you the information. Make sure you know what you're getting into. So write a contract that is contingent upon verification um, of all the mortgage parameters and a final inspection walkthrough within the next 30 days. Get it locked up. And my God, dude, you could literally sell, you could sell this contract and not pay one dime out of your pocket and easily make a $20,000, $30,000 profit. I think you can make a lot more on it. If you don't want to do it, call right. me, I'll do it. Like to me, so your worst case scenario, what's the land worth? Uh, about 150. Just on the land alone, you have a deal. So how did you find this seller? Um, this was a, this is actually a driving for dollars lead. A wholesaler had backed out of this contract before, I think for the same reason why I'm a little hesitant. And why why are you hesitant? Uh, just unfamiliar. That's all. Just unfamiliarity okay. with this type of deal. So, I'm telling you, based on the information you gave me, you have a deal. Like 
you're basically yeah. taking over property with almost none of your money. Now, I know it's a little bit scary taking over someone else's mortgage. So verify all the facts, get it under contract, give it 30 days, and then you should be able to easily find a buyer within 30 days and pretty much minimize all your risk on this. So the only risk okay. is you're going into unknown. That's it. Does it make sense? Somebody's honking their horn, man. Yes. The car it's crazy. So, Chrissy, is this, would this be your first deal? Uh, no, this is about my fifth deal. But, again, it's just something I'm not very, you know, totally So, I want you to understand, take the subject two part out of it and analyze your math. Because the subject two might not even, like, you could put it under contract, do that whole thing, get, get a 30-day window so you can verify all the information. And while you're doing that, you could easily, he's not living in the property, right? No. So you could easily bring your cash buyers through there. You could bring like 10 or 15 of them, as many as you want. And then you can get the highest offer. You put this deal together. You're never going to pull a dime out of your pocket. Like right. this to me is, if you had to pick the, like a really good deal, I, I get it. It's, it's a huge train wreck and stuff like that. Remember, the bigger the problem that you solve, the bigger the payday you should get. So don't let that you don't understand it. The subject too, to be honest, with you, really has little to nothing to do with this deal. Because in the end, I would put it under contract 30 days and I would find a go cash buyer just to cash me out of the whole thing. Very few cash buyers can get excited about a $20,000 mortgage because the reality is if they pay you, um, if they pay you a hundred grand, they're not worried about the 20 grand. Like they, they already got to bring 80, what's another 20? And you can kind of go from there because uh, you could screw the deal up by trying to sell a little $20,000 mortgage. To me, it's not worth it. Now, if you could take the house over and fix it up for like 10 grand, then you have some serious, like you could do a lot of stuff with it. But right. knowing it needs a ton of rehab. And remember, Chrissy, the numbers I've given you, like I overshot all the numbers on purpose. I probably leasing another 20, 30,000 in there. So um, if you need like help with it, unless you're not telling me something, you have a deal. So if you don't want to do it, Hit me up on support at Flip with Rick and then put crazy in caps on the top and um, I, I'll do the deal with you. But like I, I'm telling you, I'm going to make a ton of money doing it. So if you want to partner up on something like that, based on what you've told me now, guys, I'm using based on it. Maybe Chrissy knows something and he doesn't want to talk about it, but I'm just telling I'm being transparent with you. So let somebody know me in the comments if they would do anything else um, to do this differently, because to me, you're letting the subject two part overwhelm you and honestly it's it's a minor amount of money and a hundred so you're looking to sell this for 75 to 100 the 20 uh financing on it is not going to make or break a uh, cash buyer and most cash buyers for that small amount less than 20 percent of the value are going to want it cashed out period okay i have one more question it's a quick one um it's about the the uh, I don't know if I can say it, the code violation list. Okay, I'm listening. Um, it it's pretty it's like it's very hard to get in the Houston area. I'm not sure if anyone's watching that has it, but I just can't seem that. I've gone to every office and I've tried to get it, but no one can seem to help me. Yeah, so it's as I said, there's over 3,500 counties. You just you've got to be somewhat of a detective. Um, as long as you accept these two philosophies, because I'm not going to like break down 20 minutes of mechanics of getting the code violations. Yes, it's becoming more difficult because more and more people are chasing it down. But number one, 
You have to overcome resistance with persistence. You know that. And it's with kindness, guys. You can't run people over. And number two, you just got to be willing to go above and beyond what most normal people are going to do. Like most people quit after they get two no's. 90% of people quit after two no's. Why is that? Because it's a pain in the butt. So I have never, ever told everybody on these streams, I 100% guarantee you can get all these lists if you do this. Odds are if you do this, you'll probably eventually get it. But sometimes you just get shut down and you can't get it. Guys, I have this happen in my own business. It's just the truth. But if I go attack 10 different types of lists, I usually walk away with about 70 to 80% of what I go after for. So make sure you have a broad enough range for enough lists so you can fill up your pipeline and understand some of them just take more time and energy. And sometimes you just get cut off and you can't get it. So if anybody has any suggestions with them, make sure you come on our live uh, on Thursday um, because we got a lot more people on there because <laughs> it's just the lonely Rick Ginn channel. But uh, I like doing this because I'm able to spend time and, and walk you through it. I I think you need to go back and talk about that deal you just talked to me. I think, I think you have a good deal. And I think you're a little bit wary because another investor backed out. By the way, when investors back out of a deal, it is primes you guys to really take advantage of a great deal. Most investors back out of a deal because they paid too much or they don't know what they're doing or a combo of both. So you understand the basic mechanics of how wholesaling works. And, uh, and also when a seller, when a buyer backs out, it actually primes your seller like, okay, I better be really realistic on this one. So you can't get any cheaper other than him handing you 20 grand. You're basically going to pay about $1,500 to $2,000 premium to get the deal to make up his uh, back payments and stuff. That's it. So unless, make sure you have somebody run a title on this property. Um, have you had the title company r run the background on this property? Um. No, but I've talked to them, and the previous wholesaler put in a, um, a memorandum of contract on it. Oh, really? So we have, yeah, we have to get that released. So are they? Um, is the previous um, wholesaler? Um, are they? Can you talk to them, or are they okay being getting out of that memorandum? Well, that's the next thing I have to do. So we'll see. So just so you know, when you talk to that wholesaler, how long ago did he enter into this agreement with them? Uh, it's about a month ago or a couple months ago. The, the ex contract was supposed to be executed about a week ago. So so understanding is you have to do the right thing. And this is going to be a, a painful conversation, but I'm going to tell you because I've been in your exact position a dozen times. You by law are not allowed to interfere with the agreement the owner has going on with the previous investor. Although it's completely wrong what they're doing. But... Um, the fact that they record a memorandum, why, why do you think the investor would record a memorandum? Because he knows it's a deal. So you know it's a deal now too because I told you. But the fact that he didn't perform, he can actually be sued. Number two, recording a memorandum, a affidavit of memorandum um, on a house that's in foreclosure is 100% illegal. You can't do it. It's actually against the law. So I'm not here. I'm not a lawyer. I'm just telling you, if I had to have a lawyer attack this or a title company, the person now is in full risk of defamation of title. Why? Because if they don't get to rectify, the guy's going to lose the house to foreclosure. And who do you have to blame for it? The previous investor, right? So there is a case. 
So however you need to communicate to the owner, and it needs to be the owner doing this with the previous investor, you cannot get in the middle of it. Otherwise, you're going to be dragged um, in the lawsuit. Ask me how I know. So you want to do the right thing. You've got to communicate to the owner. The reality is if the guy is, I would use a title company to get him to release the affidavit so you can get it recorded properly because you got to get him out of the way. And number two, you want to communicate to the homeowner. If he entered into that affidavit and recorded it while the property was in foreclosure and the only reason you record a memorandum law is did the owner not want to sell it to him? No, I guess the guy just wanted to lock it up. I guess he wasn't yeah. sure how to really market so 100%, it. One hundred percent, he um, he's recorded a memorandum, and he's at risk of probably uh, at least a ten to fifteen fifty thousand dollar fine if he doesn't release it. So I would just leverage um, your owner, make sure he works through a title company and get it done correctly, and the title company will just let him know. Just um, he has a very strong case for a defamation of title. This is the prime example of why you guys don't want to record stuff against the title. There's this new strategy where wholesalers and investors are, the minute they get it under contract, they're recording this memorandum. It is 100% unethical to do that. The only reason you record a memorandum is to prevent anyone else from buying it. But if he or she's not going to buy it, then by definition, they are clouding the title and they're causing the owner um, harm. So... I do. I just gave you, and I'm not giving you legal advice, Chrissy. I'm just telling you, recording a memorandum when a property is under foreclosure is an absolute no-no. Because remember, when you record you something it. publicly, unless both parties agree to it and they agree to publicly put it out there, it's risky. When you record it when someone's under duress on a property on a foreclosure, it's really bad. So talk to the owner. And now you can help him out. This, is he aware there's a uh, memorandum recorded against it? What's that? I'm sorry. It's breaking is up the owner idea. aware that the previous um, investor recorded that memorandum? Yes. Yes. Okay. He, he's got to get it unwind. Otherwise, you can't do any of this. So I would help him out. Gotcha. I remember you're... you're helping out as an individual, what I would do is put them in touch with the title company and let them do the dirty work for you. And then once he gets freed of it, go, listen, once you're free of that, I can enter in a contract. If you enter into a contract with him now, then that other um, wholesaler can actually sue you for uh, contract interference. I, I went through this exact okay. scenario. I know how this works, even though you are doing the right thing, but I'm telling you, man, this is a good deal. You you're over you're overthinking it. I think the subject two threw you off, and I've already told you disregard it. It can help you, but just use it for you. And then number two, another investor entered in the contract and do do anything with it. That's throwing you off. So now I kind of get it. Right. So you got your work cut out okay. for you. So first thing tomorrow morning, I would meet with the homeowner, talk to him, whatever you're on the phone, and get him in touch with your title company. And tell the title company, I went to enter on a contract, but the previous investor recorded a uh, affidavit and they never followed through on it. Can you help him um, get a release on this? And then you kind of coach the uh, title company um, because title company will have a field day on it. Like that's really bad stuff. Guys, this is why you don't record memorandum affidavits without reviewing it by a lawyer. If this guy did nothing, a lawyer could reach out to this homeowner and I'm telling you between ten dollars $50,000, they would get it in a heartbeat. And they're like, well, I got no money. They can sue me for whatever you want. I go, let me explain how judgments work. 
they will eventually find some sort of asset you or your family has, and they're going to come after it. So um, you don't want to wind up. This is why I don't want you guys recording stuff on public record because it's really bad business. Unless you completely got screwed and you perfected your contract and you consulted with an attorney, only then do you record something. So you got your work cut out for you. You know what to do? Yes, sir. Thank you. Now, you got a really good deal, though. Like, seriously, do the work. You're going to have to do a lot. You got a lot of moving parts, but just follow through and do it and just make sure you're doing it to help the homeowner out. And the homeowner has to represent themselves on their own. Consider this. Consider his property listed by a realtor and he's got to undo the listing for you to move forward. Kind of that analogy. Because any other way you can actually get involved in a lawsuit. So if you had to stand in front of a judge and you say, Mr. Crazy, I'm sorry, you entered into an agreement knowing there's pending um, there's a pending issue on the property and you were well aware of it. And then you become liable as well, too. So I got sued on that once before trying to do the right thing, and I'll never do that again. So once you know a property is somewhat under contract and it hasn't been legally canceled, um, do you know if he canceled the contract? Um, yes, he, he backed so out. So if he canceled the contract and he has a memorandum, once again, that is another violation of the seller's rights. And you should easily be have a title company talk this guy into um, undoing that. And by the way, if he asks for compensation doing that, it's going to be borderline fraud. So if, he, <laughs> if they record him doing so, if he does that, I would tell him to put it in writing and send an email. And then he could possibly be looking at jail time. Then it turns from civil to criminal. So, guys, this is why you don't want to record stuff, man. Stuff can come back to haunt you. Even me, a well-versed investor, I had somebody completely screw me. I recorded. I did everything. And they found because I use large blocks of deposit because I typically keep a couple hundred grand at my title company. Because I didn't specify my $1,000 deposit, I got busted for that. And I had to settle. And I didn't do anything wow. wrong. So all a lawyer has to do is find one little grain of something you've done wrong. And now you are screwing the homeowner. And then he or she needs to be compensated. And so be very careful when you go messing around with people's titles without their consent. Recording an affidavit without the homeowner's consent is major, major risk for you to be sued, even if you are 100% right. So, Chris, you go get that deal. That's a good one, man. I would really be working on it in the next day or two and try to lock it up. And you're going to have to create massive urgency because someone's going to beat you to the deal. And then Honestly, if you need help with the deal or you want to split it with me, hit me up at support at Flip with Rick. I'll be happy to do something like this, okay? I That's live for this you. stuff. Thank you got you. a good deal, man. Go get it. Thank you. Okay, I'll see you. Okay, let's see. <laughs> I, I, I can only keep up with so much information. Saeed, you there? Yeah, Saad. Saad, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? <clears throat> good, good. Where you, uh, where are you located? Uh, upstate New York, so Albany. Oh, okay. How's the weather up there? It's cold. Yeah. <laughs> I went door knocking and I had to like really bundle up. Ooh. What? What's the? Uh, what's the temperature right now? Uh, like thirty degrees. Thirty. Ooh. Wow, that degrees. hurts. Yeah. I always, I tell you, my only regret so far is I haven't been to uh, New York City uh, during the holidays. It looks, looks like a, a hustling, bustling place, though, right? <laughs> if it you is, can get in is. and out of the city, right? Uh, I'm actually out, way out. I'm like three hours north of New York. You're uh, smart. You're smart, City. man. So I'm at but the you, you, Yeah. That's cool. What's going on? What can I help you out with? 
Um, so I've been doing reverse driving for dollars um, for about three weeks. I have 150 okay. leads, 150 sticky notes out. I mean, it's been taking me all day, but I've perfected a little bit more of the process um, and only have three official leads from that. Should I continue with this process or should I pivot? How? What should I do? So what, what was the total number again? 150. And from that three? Yeah. And that's really kind of your first stab at it. How long did it take you to do that? Three weeks. So like 50 a week. Yeah. And you're getting the leads from driving for dollars or? Uh, so the list? mix of driving for dollars, just like seeing rundown properties, water liens, vacants, pre-foreclosures, code violations. Okay. I mean, it'd be nice if you could uh, increase the numbers and see if you get them to push up. But so what I would look at your number of leads versus what I would say leads. So I look at a prospect, a prospect is someone where you stick a note on a door prospect. Yes. You're, yeah. you have a list, you culminate it. And then now you engage them with some sort of uh, marketing medium. Mm-hmm. And then that turns in. So I guess my next question is what do you define as a lead? A lead is a seller interested in selling the property. Now I have to discuss further about whether they're interested in selling the property at a discount. Yeah. Um, that would be like my, that's going to be my next question. Um, a lot of these sellers, they're saying that they're interested in selling or they're thinking about selling. Um, so I'm just like, I don't know, should I continue working with these sellers and see what comes from that? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, but you, you, you got to, you know, you just got to work through it. And listen, you can build all the rapport you want up with somebody wants retail for their property. Yeah. <laughs> the nicest guy in the gal is not going to overcome that objection. Like it's yeah. just, there's not motivation. You need to move on there. I, right. I wouldn't give up as of yet. I'd like to see the numbers like 150. I'd like to see at least three times like the amount of leads. Cause remember a lead just means I can at least move forward. So the reality in wholesaling is you, when you're qualifying process MCTP, you usually disqualify a majority of the people. Mm-hmm. So when you get through it, unfortunately three is not going to be enough to sustain you. I'm just, that's the absolute truth. So you have to look at either trying to expand your list. I know it's a lot of work and I don't discount you at all for doing it. I actually commend you, but find out if you can bolster the numbers by adding anyone else to that list. I know the logistics on this kind of sucks and that's the biggest challenge with it, trying to drive all the different addresses and that's challenging. So I don't want you to drive yourself nuts. I, I know you're getting ready to eventually go into your wintry season with lots of snow and stuff like that. So you got to do something that you can sustain. So unless you can add, are you interested in adding any other types of campaigns where you don't have to necessarily, I would love for you to find a campaign where you didn't have to leave the house for a certain part of the week. Yeah. So you could sustain yourself. Cause I, if you're like me, when you go out and do, dude, I used to do physical door knocking mm-hmm. hundreds of doors every day. And, uh, it's in Florida. It's just, it's always the blistering heat, even in January, February, it's hot here for the most part. And uh, I just look forward to the days I could actually go in and I mm. can make phone calls and do other things and stay like in a controlled environment. So I am concerned going in January, February, because I think it's going to be hard and I think yeah. you need more leads to sustain yourself. So I would find something that that doesn't have anything driving for uh, the reverse driving for dollars elements. Um, either it's going to be a cold calling 
or you can even do like a combo with texting and just see which one you're going to get a little bit more traction with. I would never stop doing the driving for dollars, but I'd be lying okay. to you to say it's not a little bit easier come springtime because yeah. it's cold and it's miserable out there. And here's the reality, guys. We did not get in this business to completely torture ourselves. We knew it'd be extreme, but like, yeah. I, dude, I can't deal with cold weather. And I'm like shaking, like just thinking of 30 degree temperatures because I checked the weather. It's supposed to be uh, 58 this weekend over here. And uh, that means socks and flip-flops for me. So it's challenging. So <laughs> I would just find something that adds an element where you can do something like in home and office. Yeah. to complement what you're doing. And then if you get more traction doing that, that's how my son actually came up with cold calling. He was getting much more traction doing that. And then I would pay people to do the reverse driving for dollars, stuff like that. Although we dialed it in for five or six years before he was even part of my company. And mm -hmm. so I was extremely confident. I go, I'm not going to switch that. So Zach came in my company and found things that I, a, I wasn't willing to do. I didn't want to do. And B, I said, run the data for like, we always ran data for at least 60 days because it's really hard to determine something in two or three weeks. Throw direct mail in it. You got to add three to four months because yeah. that's the only other thing you're doing. But I, I would, you know, man, stick it on the doors. It's just a pain in the butt in the wintertime. I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah. And you're not in the coldest environment, but you're in a much colder environment than most people are. And I think that's going to be challenging in January and February. So the are there any other lists that you can attack for like a cold call or like a uh, SMS text? Yeah. So I was actually, I actually went to the county today and I pulled tax delinquents and I'm specifically cold calling a town that's known for a school district. Like I know that people want to invest in the school district. So I was cold calling that list. I mean, I probably got like one or two leads from that. So I don't know if, I don't know if that's a good list to go after. I, I would just, just, I would, I would just look at your marketing plan and just add one list to where you don't have to go out and pound the pavement because I'm scared you're going to run out of gas. And number two, the, the name of this game is, I don't need to tell you the obvious. It is a quantity game. So the more quantity you have, the better shot you got to deal. The problem is in the beginning, when you start out, it is an uphill battle. This is all the stuff gurus aren't going to tell you guys. That's why every guru in the United States wants you once you pay their coaching fee, they want you to commit to a three or $5,000 marketing budget per month. Cause it's <laughs> listen, if you can't make money finding a $5,000 like marketing thing, the problem is when you pay those monies for those lists, you don't have the experience or the wherewithal to even like close them. And you have to go through some trial and error to learn how to do it. So yeah, um, I'm not suggesting that you go overly and pay, but, um, the idea is always to get you guys up to our first few deals, and then you can make a decision if you want to add a paid service. I'd rather you make a profit first to make sure wholesaling is a good fit for you because every other guru in America wants you to pay for their course, and the reality is 95% of you guys fail at it, and it's not always your fault. And you guys have been terribly blamed in this business saying it's your fault. It's reasons just like we're talking about here right now is why it's such a failure. It's hard. And nobody knows the truth about wholesaling unless you go out and do it. And then nine out of 10, you said, man, if I knew the truth and what I had to do with wholesaling, I don't know what I would have had the guts to start it. And that's just the truth. So you're going to have to add one more. Otherwise you are going to run out of energy or leads. And if you run out of leads, you're going to get it out of the business. So you got to find it, whichever method's going to help increase your quantity. I'm not okay. here to tell you. I just, 
you know the suggestions we do. So I would just regroup yeah. a little bit, especially going in the winter and then spring. Then you can ramp it up a little bit more because you're probably more excited to go out in spring. Yeah. And you could do that a lot more often. I, there's no way like you were in a, like you put me in like a snowy city. Like I, I would die, dude. I would have like I'd be the guy with like the heated seats and the, like I would probably never get out of the car. I would try to like throw the note out there or something like that, man. <laughs> I, I don't know how you guys deal with it. So um, but we have the same problem in the heat, man. It's so bad in July, August, September here. It's like, oh, my God, like it's just. Like you sweat in the morning going to like the shower. It's crazy. So you have the opposite problem. But if you're willing to endure, you will get the rewards. I would just add one more method that you don't have to go out and pound the pavements at. So mm -hmm. you can be in a little bit more comfortable setting. Guys, the okay. name of the game at the end of the day is quantity. How you decide to do it, you can kind of figure that out. I leave that open to you because there's some people go, I, there's, I will never, ever cold call. I'm not a cold caller. You guys know that. But remember, I went through this wholesaling journey when I had no information. So I had to figure out everything on my own. It was very expensive. So mm -hmm. you guys have all the information in the world. You just have to make a decision what you're going to commit to and do. Because if you're going to do something that you hate, I guarantee you will fail at it. Yeah. So pick something that you can have consistency and create the discipline in. And if you know you can do it within you and you're accountable to yourself, then it's doable. If I tell you to make 500 cold calls a day and you go, Rick, I'm not doing that cold call and I hate that stuff. Here's the secret. Nobody really loves cold calling. I've had people, oh, Rick, I love cold calling. I go, okay, so like on Sunday afternoon when you got nothing going on, you just cold call people for fun because that's what I consider fun cold calling. So yeah. find something that's tolerable and you can sustain yourself. And if you have a previous business where you have history of doing that, then go for it. But you're just going to have to up the numbers, period. Okay. Any other questions? Um, yeah. So I was, I mean, I was going to try Zach's, uh, get a deal under two hours, um, uh, challenge. So, I mean, I Qu guess quantity is going to be the name of the game to that one, man. Cause it's yeah. that guys, it's just the reality is when you guys go through and qualify people, most of the time you're disqualifying first. And then the, but the problem is you get this, this, this mantra of like, you're so used to disqualifying. It's shocking when somebody wants to work with you. It happens all the time, even to me. I'm like, eh, you wouldn't consider this offer. Guy goes, yeah, I would. I go, well, you know, it was nice talking to you. And like, I've walked out before because you get, you get so biased and programmed the people rejecting to you. Sometimes you got to remind, you got to hang in there and see if you can get a yes. Obviously there's enough yeses. I've been doing this 20 years. My biggest fear in my first two years is I was going to run out of deals. I never did. But the first two years, I had the exact same struggle you did. Okay. I just had nobody to share it with other than my wife. So she's a trooper to like, she's, I don't know how the hell you do that. And then when I finally got my first deal, she's like, can you do more like this? I'm like, yeah, I do you know what I just went through to get this. And I remember thinking, I go, maybe I just need to call it a day. I I'm, I'm whole. I've got all my money back. I was like, no, 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 let's keep going. I put in that much work and that that's what kind of sustains you and go. But Zach's first two months in this business, it was brutal, man. Like, right. I, I, I thought for sure he would quit. I did. I took the tough love approach. So a lot of you guys think I put a silver spoon in his mouth. It's the opposite. I put a broken wooden spoon in his mouth and told him to go out there and fight because I don't want to be the guy who gave his kid everything. So I never gave Zach a car. I never paid for his education. It's not that I couldn't. It's just, I've watched children get. And when you listen, you guys know when you hand people everything, they do nothing. And that's just the truth. It's, 
it doesn't matter how wealthy you are, how smart you are, is if you just hand stuff people and like they don't expect anything in return, it usually doesn't go well for family members. But the opposite here with you guys, whoever chooses to use this information, you, you can be easily as successful as I am. The reality is how many people will actually do what Saad's doing right here. It's hard. And I commend you for doing it. Just keep it up and add one more source to it. And okay. You'll be on your way. But just don't so get frustrated. Just my time. I know because you, this is this is the part where you define yourself as like a true wholesaler. And you are really, you cut your teeth on your work ethic when things aren't working out the way you do. Nobody ever becomes a wild success when something went right. And they're like, oh, right. yeah, I'll just do that over. It's when you're getting the crap kicked out of you is when you go, Okay, I got to figure this out. I'm going to have to add one thing or I'm like, I'm, I'm going to get like frostbite. Keep trying to, if I try to double my door efforts, uh, I, I'm not going to make it. So keep, keep me informed, man. We'll talk again. Sounds good. Thank okay, you. Okay, see you. Aldemar, are you there? Yo, yo, yo. Yo. Okay, I'll come back to you. Cheval, you there? Hello, Rick. Yes. How are you doing? Hi, I'm doing great. How are you? I'm awesome. Thanks for asking. What's going on? That's good to hear. Okay. So I have a bit of a crazy story. Um, so I spoke to a seller. I found him on Zillow. He had um, a property that he was trying to sell. He wanted it. Um, asking price was 119000 I told, he told me at first, you know, he wasn't going to go any lower than 90,000. Told him we can't do it. He said, okay. He came back to me about like a week later. It's like, Hey, um, if you're still willing to go to 85, I'll do it. Cause I had offered him 80. He, and I told him, I spoke with, with Zach and then Zach was like, you know, bring it to, um, 82, five or whatever. And he was explaining the psychology behind it. So I did that. Went back to the guy, told him, you know, um, 82.5. He's like, oh, okay, but if you want to do it, then you need to, uh, I mean, you need to um, send me a proof of funds. So I didn't have one. Also, I was in the beginning process of, of creating my, um, my buyer's list. Uh-huh. Sorry, I have two babies. That's okay. That's what Zach used to sound like when I did wholesaling when I started. <laughs> so, you guys think so I'm kidding, he, man. He was, he was a listening. young baby, like a little baby. Uh, Zach, when I started wholesaling, was three years old, two years old. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. When I first started looking. Yeah. So it's like, a, a guy, a, like kids grow up really fast. So, like, enjoy, enjoy them while you have them because. Then you get other problems when they become like even adults. So I, I love yeah. my kids at that. Sometimes like you, if you think you got problems now when they're like this young, wait till they, they start driving a car and like doing everything. It's like, you're always worried about them. So, and yes, I still worry about Zach. He's still my son, but honestly, there's not much, there's not much. I don't have to worry about much with him though. So, okay. So you got to the proof of funds. What happened from there? Okay. So hold on, honey. I'm on the phone. So, I started, um, you know, speaking with potential cash buyers and I ran into a lot of like weird stuff. And um, many, um, 
of the people that I spoke with, like they either ghosted me when I asked for proof of funds or um, they just try to like get out of it, like, you know, yeah. poke their way around it and things like that. They don't that. have it. They don't so, have it. Yeah. So then I'm like, okay, I have to talk to this guy because now it's it's been like a week now, you know? So I was like, I'm just going to go back to him and just say, forget it. And when I went back to him, this guy was so livid. He was so mad at me. And he's like, I waited a week for you to get the offer together and you did absolutely nothing for me. I'll never do business with you again. And he was so upset and I felt so bad. Yeah, well, it's just, it's just, it's just a rookie mistake. So um, I always teach in the course, try to get set up um, beforehand if you can, but don't, don't ever let that stop you. Like that's what you guys got to understand. Don't let getting set up for wholesaling stop you from doing it because the biggest problem most of you have is you spend too much time studying like you're learning in school. It, the real life doesn't work that way. You, and, unless you're working on a human's life or a pet's life, you're better off practicing while you're working on your trade than waiting till you perfect it. So other than the medical and maybe the legal field, or if you're, you know, if you're working on like some heavy machinery, please like take the proper courses. But when it comes to like sales and stuff like that, you're better off learning while you go. So whatever mm -hmm. you made a mistake, just shake it off and move on. Like that, don't the, let him. But the thing you. about it was that he he then okay because I forgot to tell you this part. He brought the price on Zillow down from one hundred and nineteen thousand to one hundred thousand, and so when I did talk to cash buyers the ones that I did talk to, I never showed them the property or, or gave them the link to it or anything like that. I would just, you know, tell them like about it. And uh -huh. they're like, well, a hundred thousand and he wants to, he, he's asking for 82 five. That's too much. So, so what, what was the, what was the property really worth? I, I don't care what they offer it for. Did you do any valuations on it to see what it, it, I, tr I tried to, it was a lot of different, properties in the area i worked out that it might be worth like around a hundred thousand maybe it might be so the, listen does he still have it on the, so you never got under contract with him right i never got it under contract well, it's probably a blessing in the sky secretly i i know it's a little humiliating and it hurts your pride a little bit but imagine if you were imagine if you were under contract trying to get out with that guy say you paid too much for it he would have mm -hmm. been a nightmare like he would have been your worst nightmare and you got to understand most motivated sellers do not yell at you. So yeah. it, the fact that he didn't get it under contract is the minute he had you under contract, he would have been all over you. So did he, he have was upset? I'm sorry. Go ahead. What was he upset about? He was upset because I, you know, it took me a week to get back to him and it wasn't I, like I wasn't. Now, um, get up, get up off the floor. It wasn't that um, I I um, I wasn't you know actually talking with people with cash buyers and everything like that. I was talking to people. It's just that you know, like I said, a lot of people would try, like being around the bush. People would ghost me as, after I asked them. So it was just like crazy trying to find someone. I I still need cash buyers for that area. Yeah. So and, use use this as fuel, and. You just get past it. I, honestly, I, I think you might have said it's that. So use this as a learning lesson. So he's probably still has it on the market right now, right? Yeah, he does. 
So do you work and with him? Like, oh, he's like, hey, I only lowered it because I told him, I said, hey, I'm speaking with my partners and they're saying that, you know, you brought it down because when I spoke to this one investor, she's like, he brought, he brought it down $20,000. Is there anything wrong with the house? I was like, no, no there's nothing wrong with the house. This is what he told me. There's nothing wrong with the house. The house is fully renovated from the So, Chappelle, are you doing this locally or virtually? Virtually. Okay. And I think she's... You're fine. Like, use it as a learning lesson. Like, you're not hurt. Nobody took money out of your pocket. He punched you a little bit with your pride. But, like, honestly, you, you this is the part where you just got to, like, you know, nobody really got hurt. And so here's what I would do. I would track this property and see what it sells for and use this as a learning curve. Okay. Number two, how long was the property on the market for? When you verbally agreed? 117 days, I think. Okay, there's a reason. Days on market tells you the truth 90% of the time. He sometimes they're bad realtors. Sometimes. Had, um, sorry. Go ahead. I'm listening. No, he was saying that he had someone in the house renting the house from him and then he said that um he couldn't sell the house so the, the renter decided to, decided to leave and all this other stuff that's what you're saying you just most time visible people they're unreasonable and they're asking for too much money so i would track this one if you want to connect with another wholesaler either find somebody in my feed here or jump on one of me and zach's lives um on wednesday or thursday and Partner up with another investor and have him shoot another offer over his bow. Someone that can provide a proof of funds and see if where it goes. And maybe you can salvage a deal like that. But remember, it's got to be a deal. And uh, did the guy ever agree to any type of inspection period? Um, um, no, we didn't really talk about that because he didn't want to move forward at all, yeah. at all with me without seeing a proof of funds first. He's like, he's not signing anything until he gets a proof of funds. When I originally spoke with him, he, the house was on, um, on um, Zillow for 119000 yeah. After he spoke to me, like literally the day after um, the house, he brought the price down to $100,000. It was one hundred nineteen. He brought it down to $100,000. I'm like, well, if it's at 100000 then... You know, you we have. He wants to offer. Uh, uh, he accepted the offer that I gave him. Um, that it was eighty two five, but that was based on the one hundred and nineteen. You know, and then now I'm like, okay, well, he's gonna have to low. We're gonna have to go back and negotiate the offer down to seventy thousand dollars or less so, than that. Chevelle, either track it and see where it winds up and use it as a learning cue. Uh, number two, find another investor if you want to pair up with somebody in our comments, someone that can offer proof of funds. I try to even get it lower because odds are it's going to lower. Dude, this property's not going anywhere. Eventually, it's going to sell for the right number. But mm -hmm. he's making a lot of demands for a property on the market this long. Just understanding time and circumstance changes all these FISBOs owners' minds in the long run. So I'm excited that you took action and moved forward. You got hit with a stumbling block, something I try to have you solve before you do it. But I'm so happy you didn't let it stop you from doing it. And I mm -hmm. think you're well on your way. You're doing the right actions. Now you know you got to figure out proof of funds sooner than later. And keep in mind, a lot, most motivated sellers don't care about proof of funds. Fizbos, they're a little picky about it because they've been burned so many times because most of the time they're asking for unrealistic uh, numbers on it. So 
you're doing everything right. Just you got to let this like go in your rear view mirror and move forward and mm -hmm. go, okay, I got to figure out the proof of funds thing. I got a little bit better at this. Okay. And just spend and some more time with your cash buyers and talk to them and just telling them why you're asking them to do this. So you can, when I get a deal, I can just like call you and get it done. Okay. By the way, 70% of cash buyers, you ask them for proof of funds, they don't have it. You know why they don't have it? Because they aren't. Um, they don't have it. <laughs> they don't have <laughs> it. You're better off figuring it out now than figuring it out later. So you, you're doing you're doing everything right. Don't let this guy like, actually, I think he did you a favor by not going under contract. Because imagine how difficult he would have been when you find out that you had to like reduce the price or get out of the contract. I'm just telling you that's where it's going to wind up going. He's difficult. Yeah. And by the way, when people ask you for a proof of funds, I go, listen, I give you a proof of funds, but I need a 45 day inspection period. Oh, yeah. you don't want a 45 day inspection period. I'm not giving you a proof of funds. Just, you can play with people, man. Like just have fun. Like Fizbo's are not my favorite type, but they're easy to get to. You just got to go through a lot of numbers. So most of my motivated sellers, and they never even asked me for a proof of funds. Fizbo's are notorious. About 50% of them will ask for a proof of funds. So you guys got to be aware going into that. So either find a partner, find a hard money lender, someone soft money, and try to solve that so you can get past this obstacle the next time. And maybe try to partner up with someone and see if you can backdoor this guy. Um, okay. Okay. Um, I Well, I mean, as far as partnering with someone, you would say, um, like you're saying, basically. Um, Just give somebody the information. Uh-huh. Like right now, how much have you made from this transaction? nothing okay so you got nothing to lose right right so even if you took a shot on a stranger to backdoor this guy uh -huh. who cares like even if you got a referral fee off of it who cares i don't know if it's a deal you're gonna have to dig further on it and find out the uh, real arv on it but you might as well mess uh -huh. around if that property's still sitting out there that's the beauty when people put fizbos out on the internet anybody can make them an offer here's what happens is these fizbos wires they get worn down so he's already dealt with one other bad investor before you. He thinks mm -hmm. you're a bad investor, bad actor. Screw him. Who cares, right? <laughs> what do you think happens when he gets to the 10th or 12th or 15th person? He's just like, man, I just need to sell this damn thing. I'm tired of this game. Yeah. And so you might be able to catch him on that one. If not, you'll learn and go from there. Or he probably knows your voice. So it'd be probably really good if you found a male counterpart to call because he'll be less on guard if, unless he hears another female. Because... I tell you, you females, you can get anything out of like men you want. Just you guys are better with words. It's just the truth. Um, it's true. Ask my wife. Ask my daughter. It's true. <laughs> okay, Chevelle, I got to run. I got to take one more here before I wrap this oh, up. Wait, okay. One last question. One last yes. question. Really, really quick. Um, hedge funds. Um, what do you think about that? Uh, they're difficult right now. Okay. The, the problem with hedge funds, they'll yes you to death. They'll give you paperwork, and that paperwork says they basically got 30 to 90 days to screw you over. So wow. when you think you have a deal, so in a hot market, they're wonderful. In a cold market, they're really tough. Okay. But they're buying in pockets, so there are some exceptions. But um, you got to go to the real authentic cash buyers, okay? Okay. Okay. Thank have a good you. one, Chevelle. It's a great you story. Too. Okay, bye. Amorati, are you there? I still can't quite hear you. Go ahead, do that. I'm going to answer a few questions online. You can figure that out. You got like two minutes to figure it out. So 
Hey guys, I appreciate it. Uh, we're at 5,000 subscribers. You guys are awesome. Okay. Can you hear me? I can't hear you, man. I don't have you muted or anything. So I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead. I'm, I'm waiting to see if you can hear it. There's some fancy headphones there, buddy. Uh oh, now you're froze. Ah, still nothing. So keep trying it. I'm going to answer some questions while you do this because you were patient. So you came on before and, um, <laughs> so guys make sure, um, oh, uh, Fizbo is just FSBO for sale by owner. So, uh, I apologize if I missed that for you. So Almorado, can you hear me? I still can't hear you. Can anybody else hear him? Why don't you uh, do this? Try to uh, pop out and pop back in. Let's see if that helps. I'll wait for you. Hold on. I'm going to just kick you out for a minute. Go back in. So, guys, make sure you subscribe to uh, my YouTube channel, Rick In, and make sure you subscribe to my son, Zach In. And then um, on Thursday and Friday, Thursday, me and Zach do a joint um, live stream which I know you guys enjoy. We do two hours on uh, flip with Rick. That's at 1 PM Eastern time. And then I do Friday. So we have like a really good time uh, doing this. So uh, let's see here. If you guys are brand new and you want to figure out how to get started in this business, make sure you go over to freewholesaling.com. It should be on the bottom of your screen. All you do is exchange your email. Stop giving these gurus the money because God knows they're taking it. And once they have your money, you are nothing more than a check on a box. It's just the truth, guys. I've been to all the seminars, all the webinars they do, and it's always about how they can get more money from their students. The reality is everything is an upgrade. Very few things are for free. And the stuff they give you for free, you could probably get at your kid's um, kindergarten class. So um, it just drives me nuts. I hate the fake free stuff. I want to make... We need to change this business. So I agree. There's a lot of great educators out there. I just think people make it difficult. Let's try El Morado one more time here. Hear me now. I can hear you. Let's go quick. We're under the gun. Oh, thank God. Um, so I find a list. Um, I, I was doing MLS listing. Okay. Um, and I found a deal, but the ARB was on 374. Um, I, I've been trying to do real estate. I've been studying for the longest, but I just started taking action like months ago. Okay. So the ARB was three seventy four. Um, they they wanted it two sixty five, and I got it for two twenty on eighty percent on the eighty on the eighty three percent rule. I don't know I if you. that's a deal or not. Uh, so who's going to tell you if that's a deal in the long run? The buyer, cash buyers, right? Have you talked to your cash buyers? Well, um, I just got it on the contract today, so I just I've been th overthinking everything. So, number one, it's really simple. You've entered into a contract to buy a property. You just have to find someone to pay you more. And so, what's your inspection period? How long do you have? Ten days. So that's a little tight. So you need to get going now. Okay. So. Yeah. By this weekend, you need to make a decision. Like I'm just telling you, do not wait till the ninth or tenth day because it gets they get like very difficult. Exactly. So the the house is vacant, so I can probably um, there you go. That's a little bit easier. Here. But like, 
don't rest on your laurels. Go now, like go all in and in however you're going to get your cash buyers, whatever technique you're going to use, I would use them all. 10 days is not a lot. 14 is tight in my opinion. So in the future, just try to get 30, but like sometimes we get deals and they want tighter timelines. You just got to move faster. So okay. it's, it's on you, nobody else. You've got to go crazy and you've got to like just push hard as you can to get answers from cash buyers as soon as possible. So um, don't be overly greedy. Try to find something. Try to <laughs> find something that works. You don't have to give it away. But remember, you're, you're in a different market right now. So is this your first deal? Yes, I'm trying to break okay. the code because I've been like studying, like like taking information, information because I started with the gurus, and then yeah. I'm like I found I found yeah, and I'm like I've been keeping up with. So let me ask videos. you this: Did you pay a guru? Yeah, but not crazy money. I pay like 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 a thousand, but at least I, I got I got my so, proof of so funds. like here, here's <laughs> the understanding: is if you guys paid someone ninety seven dollars or twenty thousand, I've yeah. seen these courses highest. It doesn't matter. Like, let me ask you this tomorrow. After you pay them, I, what happens you know after what? you pay them? You have talked to me and I haven't even talked to that guru yeah. at all. You at have all. to go do all the work, right? Yes. It's not on the guru. You just gave them $1,000, whatever it is. And their it's numbers always are crazy. Be on you. 65% of, of the like ARV. Like I had to go 65% and then I have to do minus repairs. Yeah, no, that's, so it, they're that, going to make that's like, that's a wish list. Two, like twice the you got it. The which money. Mar which they market can are you sell in? It after me, which market are you in? Uh, well, I'm in Connecticut. I'm in New London, and it's like it's a small area. Grand yeah. in Connecticut, it's like really small. So I'm doing virtual to Atlanta, Georgia. Okay. So, well, where where, uh, where are you from? I'm from Puerto Rico. Ah, yeah, I hear it. So yeah. it's uh, I got too much energy on me. Like I'm ready to that's move. That's good, to man. I tell you, I know a lot of great Puerto Rican wholesalers. So you guys have a fire in you. So you got to use this fire to work with your cash buyers hard and press the pedal as hard as you can and just go. Because the reality of learning wholesaling is taking action while having basic, simple instruction. Because as you said, you talk about overthinking it. You have a property under contract. You just need to get someone to pay you more. And you're going to have to listen to your feedback from your cash buyers. So go get it. I don't want to interrupt any more of your time. So report back to me. You know where me and Zach are. But like you can't just call one or two cash buyers. You're going to have to go through a lot. I do have another question. What Shoot. about if I like this happens to me? I heard you say, talked about it like not too long ago with the lady that was just here. Um, I tend to talk like I don't I don't have many friends because not everybody's looking to progress. So it's like. I well, get it's to it's a lonely world, man. It's a lonely world. And here's the funny part. You want to hear this? I've been doing this 20 plus years. I still have the same problem you do. You know why? Because I, I don't join the good old boy guru like click thing. Like, hey, you make money off my students and I make money off yours. I don't play that game. So you guys are my only crowd because I do not conform to the paid uh, guru consultant thing. So it's a real deal. And that's why I actually love doing this stuff because at the end of the day, my job is to help you guys become better wholesalers or to get started wholesaling because everybody wants to give you massive instruction on it. So I, I get it. Like, trust me, you're not alone in that fight. And honestly, anything you try to do to better yourself, 95%, probably 98% of the world, I'm just talking about the United States. They don't care. They're always going to stay in their own world. And then when you rise above, you're going to go through massive changes in your life and it's going to feel really uncomfortable. But 
for you to get better, you have to go through those brick wall barriers and doing it. So I love what you're doing. And like, you're a smarter guy than me because you speak complete fluent English and you probably speak Spanish too, right? I do. I feel like sometimes I feel like my English is not letting me cross that barrier. And it's like, I know it's not. It's just my mental thinking, me mentally thinking. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I'm listening to all these books. I'm doing all these uh, things that I'm not used to do before because I was never into all of this stuff. And now that I am, I feel like yeah. I'm by myself and I'm like, it's okay. It's okay. I, I had to get through it. So and here's the really cool part is how old are you? 27. You're young. You're very young. Extremely young. Okay. I'm 53. I didn't wake up till I was 34, like, like how to really run through life. And then I went through an entire journey. So it's going to be a bit lonely in the beginning, but keep in mind, you have to hold yourself to the same caliber. It doesn't mean you disclude family and friends, but like, um, so God, I got to be careful because I don't want like friends on here. Like I talk, about. but like I have friends I grew up with, but like we, we can't even like connect on like, we do like, you know, we watch football games and stuff like that, but like, I can't relate. Like there's certain things I've changed in my life drastically. Like I don't drink alcohol. I don't party. I don't smoke. Like I, I wasn't always like that guys. I'm not like a goody two shoe, but I'm here to tell you, I made things that make my life better. And I didn't start out doing that. And I'm a completely different person. And so you have to be willing to kill the old version of yourself to become that amazing new version. But your family and the people that really love you will be along for the ride in the end. And remember, there's going to be people like, I didn't know about this El Morale guy. I didn't think he's going to make it. And then when you make it, they're like, I knew he was going to make it. I knew he'd always be something. And, and that's the so thing I know is they're here. They like there's many people from my from my growing like my people the people that live near yeah. me. I know they're like that. Every time they see me, I'm like, oh, I'm rooting for you because I do boxing and now I'm transitioning to MMA. Yeah. And it's like because so I, I want to make yeah, it happen I, on something. Yeah. I love MMA. So I'm I'm a wrestler by nature through uh through high school and then my son wrestled all through high school and then. uh we do all, we go to all of the uh, local MMA stuff and we watch like UFC. So I just love Who's watching your favorite play. fighter. See, I, I, I don't do it on the pure merits of UFC. I do it for the entertainment value. So mine's going to be different than yours. You understand what I'm saying? Well, I don't, I, I feel like mine is also as to you. Like I think differently. I yeah. don't have like a favorite fighter just because he's the best. Yeah, no, it's just uh, like I enjoy uh, Clay Guido. I can't believe he's in there fighting like again the other night. The guy would just fight anybody. And listen, I know somebody's set up. I know he's trying to get his 40 fights, but it's just to me, it's like, I, I you know, uh, Patty the Bat. I like I, wa- I, the watched, I watched a lot of the old school ones when you could hardly even get it on the Internet. When I was young. I just thought it was so fascinating when I was a kid. And then it got a little bit brutalized. And then what Dana White with it, you know, the whole story. So, yeah. And there's so many fighters now. It's hard to like. To pick. Like, <laughs> am I right? And now and there's groups. a fight every They're weekend. Now. And now it's on it's on ESPN. And then you got to like bounce between pay-per-view. But uh, we do a lot of the uh, local fights, the qualifying stuff. And um, I get to see some of my friends and stuff. And I watch the train. I'm just like, I'm in awe. And so uh, they have me sit through these... some of the training things. I'm just like. So I trained in wrestling in high school, and I thought that was brutal. I mean, what you guys do is, uh, it's uh, like, so, so, like, just getting like practice choked out. Like, see, now you're getting me off cue here. I get, you know, yeah. I have ADHD, <laughs> so I love it. But like, I always looked at like wrestling. Like one of the analogies I did with my son 
is when he went through it and he didn't do it till he's a freshman in high school. He did all four years. I said, if you can stick to this, it, it's going to elevate you. And he had never, ever had a problem. Actually, I was the one who was challenged because, um, I got thrown into wrestling my junior year in high school off the football team. And you know, that was a shock because most football guys were just big. Like you get a lot of breaks wrestling, man. When somebody's in there, just like tearing you apart. Like there's no, your mama's not going to help you out. Your girlfriend's not going to help you out. And if you can relate that, that mentality, like you have, cause have you done it? Have you done an MMA fight? Yeah. Hey, dude, you're more of a man than I am. Cause that's brutal stuff. Man. And plenty so. boxing, but like yeah, I'm yeah. training with this other guy, like uh, he's, he's fighting for Bellator on, yeah. in, in Las Vegas in February. His name is Brandon Ward. And he just kills me like every night uh, in the well, match. I tell you what, man. He's a wrestler. If you're and ever in wrestler. Florida, yeah. If you're ever in Florida, it's like the the mecca for MMA training. You know that. So can't wait uh, to move out there. I want so to move out there. To come out, yeah, do my, stuff. My like girlfriend that. wants to as well. So yeah. if I make this deal happen, I'm gonna wait until I make another deal. And if I make another deal happen, I move out there because I want to go out there and make deals happen. But I want to provide for my family as well. Have, you got have it. A I'll get on get on with those cash buyers, and get it done. And the beauty of wholesaling, once you get it right after a few years. Like you don't have to kill yourself doing this. Like once you get established and going, you can do like, I could easily do two or three other things. I just, I like to invest in things. I like to always keep my money growing and doing stuff like that. So that, you're going to get me off course here because I'm biased towards you, but I love what you're doing. Take your same, your attitude and your style with that. And you'll do fine. Get on the phones and go crazy with those cash buyers and uh, update me towards uh, the end of the week. Okay. Definitely. I will. And this last one, because uh, I totally forgot about it. Hurry up. I'm in overtime, man. Um, so the agent, um, the realtor, should I pay my earnest money to the title company? Your earnest money always goes to a title company. And sometimes the realtors have a earnest money company, but Usually it would go to a neutral party. So you got to find out what the format in your Because I um, talked to her is. and she was like, you have to pay it on like basically whatever her, like her company is, or I think it is. Just you make know? sure it's going to an escrow company just so your money's okay. protected. Just make sure it's not, make sure you're making it out to a company or something like that, but find out because so I'm not really familiar with your state. So you're going to have to navigate that part yourself. All righty. Sounds good. Okay, Thank man. You. Good luck, man. Love talking Appreciate to you. you. Okay. Guys, I appreciate you all. I've gone into overtime here. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channels, Rick Gonzakin and Flip with Rick. And we'll see you guys tomorrow, 5 p.m. Eastern on Flip with Rick. I appreciate you guys. Have a blessed one.